Amen. Thank you, Walter. <clears throat> well, Walter, and look what you've done to me. So, if you think about this, I think about how many hundreds and hundreds of times uh, we've done this together, Walter. Isn't it great? Uh, 21 and a half years, maybe? Is that what you... 21 and a half? And um, I know you're keeping up with it, and I'm keeping up with it, but uh, 18th, 25th, 25th will be his final Sunday, Christmas Day. That's amazing. We've had a, we've had a great time. I'll speak to this next week. And it's been a blessing. I mean, I've been here, I think I was here about two years, two and a half years before Walter came. And it's unusual to stay together that many years, but we've had a, we've had a great time. Oh, even, uh, Robbie, how long have you been here? Where, oh, Robbie left. Let me see. <laughs> Robbie got mad and left. I'm sorry. Um, I think he's been here eight years. Hadn't he? It's been about ten. It's been a while. And then before that, Jeremy was here probably almost ten years. Um, any, anyway. I don't know why I'm being, um, I won't get emotional. I know Walter really is really emotional. You can tell that. I'm, I'm just kidding. Your Bible's open to Luke chapter 2. I love what it says about Mary. Uh, it says she pondered. There's just, and I, I didn't really study the word before I came in here, but just the word itself is fairly clear. Luke chapter 2, how many believers... Or how often do we ponder, ponder God's Word? She pondered in her heart um, what all the angel had, uh, had said to her. I think about, the, think about the shepherds hearing the message of, um, that the Christ child had been born and um, them making haste. Uh, to Bethlehem. Love says this will be a sign for you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in a manger. Now I don't know this to be true, but knowing history and knowing that if all the descendants of King David came back to Bethlehem to register, I would dare say there were more than just one baby, newborn baby, that was in Bethlehem of Judea during those moments, during those days. But specifically, they found the babe that was in a cattle stall. And it was Christ. And when He saved me from my sins, that's just about where He came. He planted Himself in a dirty vessel, but washed me. And cleansed me and made me his own. And he did that for you too. Amen? See, that's what makes Christmas so awesome. It's about, it's about what Christ has done. Uh, I love where we read, he appeared. It's, he's, not, he just didn't, he's not God Jr. He's the eternal Son. And he and the Father and the Spirit plan for this birth to take place on the specific time in, in world history. Galatians tells us that at the right time, 
God sent forth His Son, born of a virgin, at the right time. I'm reading out of Luke chapter 2, and this is going to be more of a Bible study. Sometimes people say, do you preach a lot or teach a lot? I don't know what I do, but this morning it's going to be a little bit more of a a Bible study than it is of preaching. But I want to try to convey to you how profound it is that Jesus came as the Prince of Peace. What does it mean, we'll read that minute in Isaiah, that He came as the Prince of Peace. I'm reading out of uh, Luke chapter 2, and and I'm going to read quite a bit, but uh, this is going to be about Simeon. I'm beginning at verse 22, okay? We want to read for a few moments about the peace that, the peace that Christ brings. And I will just tell you, before we get there, it, it, it relates to the book of Leviticus because of when God saved, when God saved Israel, okay, He brought them out of Egyptian bondage. He saves Israel. And when they go into the promised land, uh, He gives them five sacrifices they have to make. Okay, There's five offerings and sacrifices that are required. Once the tabernacle is built, these sacrifices are set in order. And they're daily sacrifices that believers can make. And uh, one of those sacrifices is the sacrifice for peace. It's called a peace offering. And if you study these five, we'll read a little bit about them in just a minute in Leviticus. Jesus fulfills all five. Because you know what Hebrews 10 tells us? Jesus didn't make five sacrifices. He didn't make ten. He didn't make three. He didn't make more than how many? And on how many days? One day. And the Jews had to sacrifice because the fire was always burning. So you had sacrifices in the morning and you had sacrifices in the evening. Every day people could come and make these sacrifices every day. Sometimes they'd burn the whole animal. Sometimes they'd burn part of the animal. Sometimes it'd be a turtle dove. Sometimes it'd be some grain, some, some meal, some, some bread. Other times it would be bulls and goats and calves. But every day they would come and make offerings and there were different kinds of offerings and sacrifices because there had to be a replacement to die, to shed its blood, innocent animal to die so they could live. And they did it day after day after day after day for 1,500 years. And then Jesus shows up and He's the Lamb without blemish. That's... That's who was born that day, was God in human form. Well, Simeon was a godly man. Let's read about it. It says, when the time came for their purification, this was after uh, Mary and, and Joseph, they had their baby. You can read this in Leviticus 12 if you wanted to. Don't do it now, but you could read it. It describes the purification for a, when a male is born, when a mama gives birth to a male, for purity reasons cleanliness to keep disease from spreading. There was a requirement for the lady to stay away from public worship for so many days. You can read it there. It ends up being a total of 40 days. Eight days, he's, he's circumcised. Then there's technically another 33 days. I know if you put that together, it sounds like it's 41, but it's how the Jews counted days. It's 40 days. So at the end of the 40 days, they're coming back Okay? And they're going to make an offering because this male child 
that you, you give an offering for the child that breaks the firstborn son that breaks the wound, and, and so you're giving an offering for that. Anyway, so when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And again, this is all in Leviticus 12. And it says, And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. As a matter of fact, that's Leviticus 12.8. What does it... Well, I'll answer this sometimes. It tells us something about Mary and Joseph right off the top. They're poor. They're of low means. Because, if you read Leviticus, they could, they could have brought a lamb... But they didn't. They brought, and it's telling us that they were of uh, poor or low means. So, but it was allowed. So they bring a, a turtle doves or pigeons. And now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was a righteous and devout. Was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. That consolation. Now I'm not going to tell you he had all of his theology right. But he knew that God had promised a Messiah. And so he was waiting and looking for the Messiah. And so the Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. That means anointed one. The Lord, Kyrios, Christos. The Lord's Christ, the Lord's anointed one. Let's get the idea of Messiah from Christos. Uh, so he's the Lord's Christ, the anointed one. So, and by the he's a devoted man. Remember those uh, sacrifices, the five offerings. You know, there's a sin offering, there's a trespass offering, there's a peace offering, there's a burnt offering, there's a grain offering. And you would do these for cer- certain reasons. And so if he was a devout man... I'm sure there was hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times as a devout Jew that he felt led of the Spirit to come to the temple. And then there was a temple where there would be a fire burning all day, every day. He would come and make an offering to the Lord for his own sin. And so he was devout. So he had been in this scene many, many times. But he was there looking for the coming of the Messiah. Uh, So it says in... It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and he blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. So where did he get this peace from? For my eyes have seen your salvation. It's relating peace with the appearance of Messiah. That this Messiah... Do you, do you reckon if Simeon was a devout man, do you reckon he knew uh, the prophet Isaiah and what Isaiah projected about the coming of Messiah? I'll read it in a minute. He says, for my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory to your people Israel. 
So the stuff Simeon saying, listen, he knows that Jesus is the Messiah of the world. He's just not, a, just not the Messiah or the anointed one just for Israel. He realizes he's the Savior of the world. And it says, and his father and his mother marveled at what was said about Jesus. And Simeon blessed them and, and said to Mary, his mother, behold, this child is appointed for the fall and the rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Uh, talking about the, the mom, and we know that this happened. I mean, she watched her son be, be crucified. And then it says, and there was a prophetess Anna there, and she gives a prophecy. Listen to Isaiah chapter, Isaiah chapter 9. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of his, incre- Prince of Peace. Of his increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Then later in Isaiah 53, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace and with his wounds we are healed amen now while you're still in luke go to luke chapter 7 now i know this isn't a birth narrative but i want you to see something very interesting luke chapter 7 there's something about this peace and you understand in order to have peace with God, if they sinned, they would bring a peace offering. And they did it a certain way. Just We'll read it in a minute. But the meat, they wasn't a burnt offering. Part of it was consumed on the altar. So let's say they would bring a lamb. Let's say they were under guilt for sin. Now there's also called a sin offering and also called a transgression offering. But let's say they're making a peace offering. So they're bringing their offering. It's a little lamb. Well... The meat they're going to save, okay? They can roast the meat and eat the meat, and along with the priests that, that serve the temple. But the entrails and, and the things that are flammable and not good to eat, they burn. And then they, they, they eat the rest, and they have to eat it in a day or two because they've offered a sacrifice to, as, as a peace offering. Uh, and, and folks, they would do that because of guilt. Uh, because of uneasiness about where they were according to the law, that's what they would do. Do you understand the significance of knowing the Prince of Peace? That Christ is our peace. That's what I want you to see about the coming of Christ as the Prince of Peace. This is an interesting passage. It's just about a woman that anoints Jesus, you know. Uh, but this is, I'm picking it up at verse 36. Um, this is one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and 
he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, uh, when he, she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. Now, we don't, we're not told as much as we'd like to know about this, this woman. Some people think it's Mary Magdalene. It does not say that. We don't know who she is exactly, but she is, she is a sinner, and she, knows, she, she somehow knows of who Christ is in some way. And she, she, she violates all kind of cultural norms to do what she's going to do. Number one, they didn't speak in public. Number two, they didn't get around men. Number three, they would not go in a public place like that where there were men, but that she's going to do all, and she would not touch a, a, a rabbi in public. She's going to do all of it. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Uh, you'll, you know, if we read, she, this, I think it was worth almost two years' wage what she did. Now, when the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, because she's a sinner. And you know, why some people think it's Mary Magdalene, but we, we don't know who it is, but she's a sinner. Much like the Samaritan woman was a sinner. And much like I'm a sinner and you're a sinner. So the, the Pharisee, and the Pharisee's a sinner. He just don't admit it. So, so if this man, so he says to himself, this is the Pharisee, if, the man, if this man were a prophet, now he's talking about Jesus, he would have known who, what sort of woman this is who is, who is a touching him. For she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said to him, so he knows his thoughts, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, tell it, teacher. And so he gives this little parable. A certain money changer had two debt debtors and one owed 500 denarii and the other 50. That's 500 days wages or 50 days wages. And when they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now which of them will love him more? And Simon answered, that's the Pharisee. And Simon answered, the one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you've judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, you see the woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. And of course, we know this. We, that was one of our focuses was the washing of feet. We know that from two or three years ago. It's, it's what, it's what you did as a host. You had to wash feet. You did it as an etiquette. And you had a servant wash their feet because of climbing at table. And just because of the culture and the dirt and the sand. And so that's what you did. Um, so he said, um, You see the woman, I entered the house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but... But from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. And look what Jesus says, For she loved much, but he who is forgiven little loves little. So just here, she... The woman, what's so significant is she knows the enormity of her sin. I hope you understand that. That's true for every one of us. Compared to the holiness of God, Jesus, listen, Jesus came. He is the Savior. You shall call His name Jesus. 
the word name Jesus, equivalent of the Old Testament, Joshua, means our God saves. He's the Savior. We need a Savior because God's a righteous God and we are wicked sinners. He, Jesus was teaching this Pharisee a lesson. She loves me much because I've forgiven her much. And he's just telling her mind in the Pharisee, you don't think you're that bad. So you don't think you need forgiveness. So he said to her, verse 48, your sins are forgiven. That's an amazing thing to say. Can, can you say that about yourself? Think, think about that. That's why Christ came. As the Savior, He saves us. from Not in our sin, from our sins. He, clean, he, he cleanses our lives too. He forgives us and then He cleanses us so we don't live like we once did. Your sins are forgiven. Aren't those sweet words? You know, it's one of the harshest things Jesus ever said about believers was if we were not willing to forgive one another. And the whole argument, both Paul does this, but the Lord does this too, is that if we've been forgiven of such a large sin debt, how dare we not forgive a brother? If God, who's eternal and holy and, and is unapproachable by sinners, has forgiven us and adopted us into His family and is going to give us the riches that Christ earned, how dare we not forgive a brother who's a, who's a co-sinner with us? It's just it, it's illogical. How dare us think we're better than somebody else? We're not. We're all just sinners... We that are saved, if you're here today and you're not a Christian, what makes me different from you is I'm a sinner that's saved. You're a sinner that's unsaved. Jesus paid my sin debt. You haven't applied His payment for you and you're going to pay for your own sin. That's, that's a big difference. Then those who were at the table with Him began to say among themselves, Who is this that even forgives sins? I read all that to read this last verse, verse 50. And he said, Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Folks, that's true today for every one of us. Right? We're not saved by works, we're saved by what? Faith. And when you're saved by faith, you have peace. You have a peace of God that's absolutely... Really, Philippians says, it's almost undefinable. Now, let's just see one other thing about peace, and then we'll, we'll uh, take the second hour and, and, go, and go to the book of Leviticus. Hey, it's Christmas. I'm going to give you a special gift. I'm going to go 30 minutes too long. How about that? Go to John's Gospel. John talks about this real quickly. That's okay. Hey, we're going to learn about this. This is good stuff. You know, John, uh, one of, and I, this is one of my first memory verses uh, as a Christian, uh, was John 14, uh, 27. Uh, th- this is after he's talked, well, go to verse 23. John, four, John 14, uh, John 14, 20. Jesus answered him, John 14, 23. Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we We'll come to Him and make our home with Him. Isn't that awesome? That's the Spirit. He's talked about the Spirit. This is 
whether sometimes it's a work tabernacle in your heart, you know, to make our home. Uh, Paul argues this in 1 Corinthians 6, where, you know, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. We understand that whoever does not love me does not keep my words. You should notice how many times he mentions word. He mentioned it, keeping his word. Verse 23, keep my word. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am with you. Again, spoken. Word. Word. Spoken. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. That's why we trust the work of the apostles. We're, we always want to be an apostolic church built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets because, hey, Jesus gave, brought to their remembrance everything that He said. Then He says in verse 27, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away, and I will come to you. If you love me, you would have rejoiced, because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. Folks, we, we, we need to just jettison. You know, sometimes we think that, um, that we're going to find peace or we're going to find answers in life in choosing something other than godliness. We're not going to have the peace that God wants us to have by choosing a life of ungodliness. If you look, we need to delight. If you're looking at this, it's, he talks right here about his word and hearing what he says, obeying what he says. It's this imperishable seed that God has given us that we want to know and live by. This is how we grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ by knowing his word. I always love what Peter says in 1 Peter 2 2, the pure milk. Of God, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word. So, but this is we have peace. I leave with you His peace He gives to you, not as the world gives. Go to John. Go to John uh, sixteen. John sixteen. I'll just read one verse for time. I have verse thirty-three. Says. Um, Verse 32, I'm sorry, how about verse 31? I have to read it in context. Jesus asked them, do you, do you now believe? Behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come when you will be scattered each to his own home and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. I have said these things to you that in me you might have peace. In the world, folks, when we are at enmity, one of the idea of the Greek word irene that, that is used in the Greek to translate peace is, a, is syn, synonymous with the Old Testament word shalom, one you're very familiar with, shalom. They're, they're pretty uh, connected. You don't find that peace by, by slaughtering a bull or a goat 
or, or giving penance or, or thinking you can pay indulgences or, or you can pray to Mary or you, whatever, or you can get baptized for the twelfth time. No, peace is in knowing Jesus Christ, right? I mean, that knowing the Christ of Christmas. So he says, I have said these things to you that in me you might have peace. Again, this is an early memory. In the world, this is New King James, in the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. I've said these things to you so that in me you might have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the You know, what Jesus did to give us peace, and I know I'm, I'm taking your, you know, your lunch time, and I really am sorry for that. You just have to get over it. But uh, uh, I don't know if you remember this, and it's in Luke 22. We won't go there, but Luke records, and I know why Luke did it, because it's so significant for him as a doctor. When Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, this, this sin-bearing, you know, this is the cup He asked that the Lord take from Him, right? In the Garden. I love one of the things you get to do when you go to Israel is one of the, one of my favorite places is the Garden of Gethsemane. But in that garden, Jesus prays. And Luke records that what he had found is that when Christ prayed, he, he was under such grief and sorrow, knowing that he was going to be separated from the Father as, as a sin bearer. He sweat, dropped his blood. It says his sweat became his blood. And I know that's that can happen biologically that can happen i don't know what they call it but he did and because of but then he says right before he did that he said not my will but for the scriptures to be fulfilled he knew he came to be the passover lamb he did not want to be separated from the father for any amount of time but he was he was separated because because of me and you he paid the price as if he died for me and, and He did for every sinner that's saved. And so that's what He did. And He knew He was going to carry that burden. But, of course, He wasn't separated from the Father but a few hours, and God put on Him the chastisement of us all. And by Him, we have peace. We, we don't have to find peace in anything other than Christ Jesus. Let me show you one other verse. I'm still in John. Go to John 20. And this and says on on the evening of that. I'm, I'm sorry, you need to know the verse, don't you? Verse nineteen. How about you guessing? It's only thirty-one verses. Look at nine. And again, I hate not reading the context, but it says on the evening of that day. And this is the first day. Okay. Uh, this is resurrection day. Uh, this is. The Lord's Day. This is why we worship on Sunday and not the Sabbath on Saturday. The doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. Peace be with you. The rest of the world... Jesus couldn't say that to He could say it to the disciples in that upper room. 
because they had experienced the peace that only comes through knowing Christ as the Son of God. Now, I'm five minutes over, but if you'll give me one or two more minutes, you need to understand this. Go to Leviticus. Go to Leviticus. I was reading a book on the Puritans, uh, and uh, this uh, one Puritan was talking about two preachers preaching for over an hour in a morning service, so I don't feel too bad. And uh, you didn't really care about that joke, did you? But uh, a Leviticus, go, go to Leviticus uh, chapter 1. Let me just show you one or two verses. And I'm, gonna have to, I'm just going to read one or two verses and I'll just paraphrase the rest of it. There are five, like I said now, these aren't, this isn't the Day of Atonement. This isn't the, the uh, Passover, okay? We haven't even gotten to the Passover. This is, this is the sacrifice, well, we have, but these... These are the sacrifices, the daily sacrifices they can make, okay? So when you go to Leviticus, and this is where, see, Christ fulfills all this. Hebrews 10, 12. He, he is the ultimate sacrifice. Well, if you go to Leviticus 1, you find there's a burnt offering. Now, I'm going to be quick, but there's a burnt offering. That's where the whole animal, so you would come and whatever guilt, whatever, uh, you bring the whole lamb, and you didn't get any of it. The whole thing was consumed on the altar. That is a sacrifice. Okay. So the burnt offering, and if you look at your Bibles, I'm going to read a couple of verses, and I'll just paraphrase the rest. Look at your Bibles. I want you to see this. This is in Leviticus chapter 1. The Lord called, verse 1, The Lord called Moses and spoke to him from the tent of meeting, saying, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, when any of you brings an offering to the Lord, you shall bring your offering of livestock from the herd or from the flock. Even a bull, a cow, goat, sheep. If his offering is a burnt offering from the herd, okay, burnt offering. Burn offering. The whole thing's going to be consumed. It is the most ultimate sacrifice. The whole animal is dies, and and you make it, you offer it. The whole thing. And really, part of that was well. Let me explain. Let me read it. He shall offer a male without blemish. He shall bring it to the entrance of the tent of meeting, that he may be accepted before the Lord. He shall lay his hand on the head of the burnt offering. And it shall be accepted for him. Are you looking at that? It shall be accepted for him to make atonement for him. It will be accepted for him. So he lays his hand on that bull, goat, whatever it is, transferring, however you want to say, the guilt, the burden, and, and that animal takes his place. And, and listen, that burnt offering was the atonement. So, all the other offerings came after a burnt offering. What I'm saying is, you would do burnt offerings first because the atonement had to be made, right? Then after an atonement was made, then people could offer peace offerings and grain offerings. So, Everything that we have in our Christian life is based on what Christ did in dying for our sins. Atonement was made 
for me to have peace with God. That's what the whole, this whole picture is that Christ was my replacement so I could be at peace with God. That's what this is about. So, this is, the Bible says this right here, this whole book of Leviticus is a shadow. Colossians tells us this. This is a shadow of something greater. Jesus is the substance. So in one act, in one day, in an afternoon, Jesus fulfilled all these sacrifices. And so if we're going to have, if, we're gonna, if we know the Prince of Peace of Christmas, we have to know Him as Lord and Savior. We have to know Him, not as a babe in a manger. We have to know Him as the atoning sacrifice for sin. That is why He came. Uh, and, and one more verse, go to Leviticus 17. This is a verse you hear all the time. Leviticus 17. See, when you think about this, that's what makes this book, you like going back and reading it, because Jesus, this is a picture of Jesus. It's all just talking about what Jesus was going to accomplish. Look at verse 11, and I'll close. I promise you I'll close with this. For the Leviticus, let's tell you what, let's stand. Let's stand together. We are going to have an invitation this morning, but let me read this while we stand, and then we'll go into our invitation. This is Leviticus 17, 11. For the life of the flesh, for the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it, I have given it for you on the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement by the life. The animal's life for your life. The Lord Jesus Christ for you. Jesus said in the upper room when He did the Lord's Supper, this is my blood given for you. Have you drank that blood? Have you applied the blood of the sacrifice of Christ? Atonement is why Jesus came. Have you been saved? Let's pray. Our head bows and our eyes are closed. And folks, we do this often. In just a moment, we're going to sing a, a, hymn, a hymn of invitation, one that you're familiar with. But folks, number one, here's the invitation. The story of Christmas is absolutely phenomenal. But you can know about the story. You can know the hymns. You can sing about the hymns. And you can be ignorant of the life that comes through Christ alone. He's more than a historical figure. He is God. And He came primarily, the Bible says, to atone for our sins. The Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Do you know the Savior? I'm begging you to consider the claims of the Lordship of Christ. Maybe today is the day you repent and believe that you trust the Lord Jesus Christ for exactly who He is. He calls you to repentance. Abandon you. Because you're wicked. You're a sinner. You need to turn from your sins and you need a Savior. Is that you today? So in a moment when we start singing and 
we sing about making a commitment, we're inviting you. Maybe today you need to come forward and talk to me about what it means to be born again. But also this is for believers. Maybe today you need to make a Christian decision. Father, we love you and thank you. Now use these moments to strengthen the work of Christ. We pray in Christ's name. We're standing and we sing. We know it well, living for Jesus. We're going to sing. If you need to come, I'm going to wait on you. You come on. Isn't it awesome? Isn't it awesome? Kevin, say hello. The Worthingtons are here. They've decided to join. They're waiting on me to leave, but Walter left, so they decided they could join. So, uh, what a blessing. Um, well, tell them what you told me just, just then, Kevin. Well, um, Leanne and I moved to Wetumpka uh, about a year or a year and a half ago, spring of 21. We tried several churches and uh, just didn't really feel like we fit uh, in those churches. Uh, we felt like we needed a church home, so we decided, well, let's let's join this one. And um, something about it just wasn't right. And so uh, I, my parents live right down the road here, and I've driven past this church a number of times. And uh, I told Leanne, I said, you know, I'd, I'd really like to go there. I'd really like to go there. And she said, I don't know. I think we found our church. And I'm like, it just didn't feel right to me. And so I promise I won't talk. Hey, <laughs> they don't believe you. They don't believe me. Go ahead. Right. Join yeah. this other church. And we came in, and what I told Bryce was that the reason he, he said that he, he was honored that we gave him the opportunity to be his, for him to be our pastor. But the truth of the matter is that he got the opportunity to be our pastor because of the people standing in this room here. When we came in, everybody came up, introduced themselves, were so nice. We met Cindy and Bruce and and I mean, everybody was right. super nice, but Cindy and Bruce started talking to us and engaging us and getting wanting to get to know us. And then John uh, became our Sunday school teacher, and John yeah. and Cindy have become yeah. great friends. friends. Just in a few months, we just feel so at home here. That's awesome. And we want to thank everybody in this con congregation for making this That's really right. good. Well, well, amen. That's awesome. Well, yeah. Yeah. Now, did y'all know that Bonnie's dad was a preacher when y'all were when y'all had that relationship? Did y'all know that at all? Okay. Yeah. How did y'all, Bonnie, how did that work? How did you know them? How, how, Griff? Oh, through Brad. That's right, through Brad. Yeah, okay. At, yeah, I know Brad. Yeah. They don't know Brad, but I know Brad. Okay. 
Well, we, you need all these people to come stand with you. Okay, people, come stand. Whoever he called out, come stand. Bruce and Cindy, John and Cindy. We got the. One other thing, I'm really glad my son uh, Jared I'll, and his girlfriend. Please, y'all come stand. Come, just come stand. You can you can share testimony. You can share a testimony next week. What a blessing. And, of course, the word we use sometimes is assimilation. It, that's, that's what happens. You, you build relationships, and, and it's not me. It's you that ties people to this congregation. And, uh, man, what a blessing. Thank you. Well, you want to go by and give them... Oh, they're coming. They have been saved. Okay, so let's say they have been saved. They've been immersed, and, and they're united in our church by from a sister church of like faith. And if you rejoice in that, say praise the Lord. Oh, so you want to come by, give them the right hand of fellowship, hug a neck, and just welcome to the family. Folks, thank you all for being here this morning. Uh, we'll see you back on Wednesday night. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your grace and mercy. Thank you for the, the beauty of church life. Thank you that we're many, but we're one, and Christ is the head. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In this matchless name we pray. Amen.